0: I think like education and entrepreneurship go hand in hand because part of as an entrepreneur what you're trying to do is what's the the, the known knowns what what's the known unknowns like how do I figure this out
1: Hey guys welcome to the Bloomex episodes of 2020 We've got a great lineup set up for you guys uh, as you notice we got a new location now we're filming out of Huddle Share Space is a new co-working space out of Scarborough we're operating out of here as well uh, but of course, we got to give out a main shout out to MCRO, who continues to be a mainline sponsor for the, for the show and for everything that we do. So remember guys, if you're looking for any apps, to get made any, make any apps, uh, create any software, definitely consider them in your process. Uh, they do a great job. They support us and they can definitely support you. Happy 2020, guys. All right. And uh, we're on. There you go. <laughs> Nafis, man. Thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Um, so you're from Legal Innovation Zone. Part of DMZ at Ryerson, yeah. It's an incubator. It's pretty new, relatively new. Focus on legal tech. Yeah. Right. So that's gonna be interesting because we've had uh, Sean Bernstein from um, Minute Box. What's that? Minute, minute Box. Box. Man, I almost forgot that for a minute. <laughs> he came on and talked about that, and it was interesting to get like a lawyer's perspective on entrepreneurship. Right. Right. So uh, like some, a very like professional industry background. You know you think of lawyers they think of being like very narrow by the book all this having to navigate a world of entrepreneurship that seems like a wide kind of uh, knowledge gap to fulfill right like you're going into a very uncomfortable setting yeah right i would imagine <laughs> but i was talking to him like no this guy's just an entrepreneur he just has a legal background mm-hmm. so i'm interested in seeing your perspective right on, on legal innovation on working behind the scenes with these kind of um, entrepreneurs yeah right how it looks like so before we get into that, like you know, let's talk a bit you about yourself. Who, uh, who is Nafees? Man,
0: who's Wow, damn! This, uh, this is deep. a this is a real interview question. Uh, who's who's Memphis? Um Honestly, I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. Um, I was just telling Henry earlier. When I was a kid, I used to go around, take bikes, and repair them with my friend, and sell it for you know a, a margin on top. Yeah. Um, so I've always had that in me, and you know, I always thought, you know, what, I'm going to go to university graduate from there, get a, get a corporate job, get some money, and then eventually go into my own entrepreneurial, uh, uh, chase my own entrepreneurial dreams.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, just so happened that while I was at university, I got exposed to the, the mammoth ecosystem that Toronto's building um, in terms of tech startups. So yeah. um, entrepreneur at heart, uh, and just kind of chasing that dream, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. So you mentioned before the show, like you joined uh, DMZ yeah. Right. As a student, Yeah. Right. Uh, it was a summer job, what would it look like?
0: Yeah, so uh, I was studying business and technology at Ryerson, um, and Ryerson has these opportunities for students to uh, join some of the, 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 the programs there. Uh, so DMZ hires a bunch of students every year. Um, I guess I got lucky. <laughs> um, I, I joined the DMZ as a student, uh, as doing operations for a while. Um, did that for about a year, and then um, the Legal Innovation Zone started. So that's kind of how I ended up uh, jumping up into the, the crazy world of legal tech. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> you started working out there as a student, and pretty much did you
1: see the Legal Innovation Zone open? Like, when did it well, get started? Yeah. Because I know so, it's pretty new.
0: So, so a bit of a context into Ryerson's ecosystem. Yeah. So uh, DMZ is really the first of, of, of the batch. Um, they started out almost about 10 years ago. Um, initially started as a space for Ryerson students to, to explore their entrepreneurial projects and then it just grew. Now they're at, like the, the, the number one university business incubator in the world. They have an accelerated program. they're massive. Um, but you know, out of the success of the DMZ, Ryerson saw the opportunity to help all these other different zones that are sector specific um, to help help build out uh, uh, more entrepreneurs. So the Legal Innovation Zone got started just about five years ago. Um, at that time, I was still at the DMZ, but I was there, their launch day, helping out with, their, <laughs> with the setup of their TV and all that stuff. Um, and the Liz got started in a very interesting manner. Um, so. The co-founders of Liz, uh, Hirsch Perlis and Chris Bentley. So Chris Bentley is. So Liz is Legal Innovations. Legal Innovations, yeah. yeah. So we, we always use an acronym. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you're not a startup if you don't use an acronym. Of course,
1: Liz <laughs> is a good one too. It makes it look sound friendly and. You know. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Sometimes I get emails like, "Hey Liz." Yeah. Uh, Liz is not a person, but yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll take it. Um, so I mean, coming back to the story, Chris Bentley. He's the former Attorney General of Ontario. Mm. Um, gave up politics, came to Ryerson, started developing a program called Law Practice Program. It's an alternative for law students to article. Um, while he was doing that, he saw all the amazing stuff that was going on at the DMZ, but realized that not really, not any of these companies were really doing anything for the legal industry, to, to serve as the legal industry. Um, so I had the crazy idea to, to get it started. Uh, went to Ryerson's president at the time, Sheldon said, Sure, go build it. I have no idea what you, what, what you're building, but go do it. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, so got Chris, uh, Chris got Hirsch on board, um, and really when we started out, we uh, really were the world's first incubator that was dedicated to supporting legal tech startups.
1: Amazing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, when we talked to Sean about it, he was saying the exact same thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, he, he started an entrepreneurial journey into legal technology, yeah. and it happened to be in a city where this is the first kind of offering, right? How to navigate that kind of center. So why the need for a specialized center for legal tech?
0: Yeah, I mean, if you really think about it, um, every other industry that we know Mm -hmm. has changed and has evolved over the years, Um, except uh, there's a few, but legal is one of those core pillars of the society. Everyone needs access to better legal services. Um, except the legal world really has not changed much, right? Uh, have you ever used a lawyer? Yeah. And how did you feel about having to call a lawyer and having to go through that process?
1: I mean, the, I think the hardest problem was figuring out the right lawyer and figuring out you know, what you can ask them. Cause right. the biggest problem is like, you don't know that industry at all. You don't right. know what to look for. Right. Like, how do you qualify if someone's the right person to serve you if you don't right. know them? But.
0: And now let me compare that. How do you feel about going to a bank or like using a bank app?
1: I mean super comfortable because i use it almost just like that
0: right yeah. um so why is it that we, <clears throat> we could uh, banking is a pretty complex industry but why is it that it's become so easy for the consumer to to grab a hold of um versus legal which is one of the core pillars of our society is still very far out, out of their reach mm-hmm. right so one of our core things was how do we drive innovation in the sector and on top of that how do we really create a focus on the consumer um, now we have a unique approach to this. Uh, when we say consumer, it really could be regular folks like you and I. It could be big Fortune 500 companies um, that have small legal teams, have lots of legal tasks, complex legal tasks, and even they can't afford some of the legal bills um, that 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 they get uh, put in, put in front of them. Right. So our whole um, you know mandate is to push. legal industry into the 21st century
1: yeah absolutely i mean one of the first things like i realized um when i was raising capital for another company and trying to secure myself was like one the cost that goes into legal and the and the necessity of the work yeah but man it's such a deep cost if you don't know what you're looking for and uh, who to go for and how to qualify but like one of the things i realized learned from that i was talking to lawyers and it's like the average cost to defend a lawsuit especially for a business right, it's about $30,000,
3: yeah.
1: average, Yeah, right, you can easily spend $200,000 defending yourself. Easily. Uh, and uh, there's another um, completely different realm of uh, talk that I heard from somebody else, but the idea is the fact that most people are like, especially small businesses, yeah. are so close to like, you know, going out of business, like yeah. their margins are so slim, yeah. that any kind of legal destruction that happens to them, yeah. right, if they're not prepared for, they're screwed, it's going to yeah. wipe them out absolutely um and the idea of forethought into that right like now it's because there's more resourcing available yeah you know, you can go online on youtube learn more about business you can get all this information and, and really clear out your doubts and your unknown unknowns right the the fact that what you don't even know that you don't even know right it's easier to search now and all that so it's become like when you're an entrepreneur when you're a founder when you're like part of the exec team like your job is to defend the con- your, your, your idea your ip your company mm-hmm. and all this but I guess the navigation of that is so difficult. So, mm-hmm. your focus is more about—is it? Do you guys have a mandate on like legal technologies you work with? Is, is it meant for a certain like moral compass, like helping entrepreneurs, like? What exactly is like the unique value you provide, for Legal Innovation Zone?
0: Yeah, so so we we actually have three core pillars as well in terms of what we focus on. Mm-hmm. So um, one is that that incubator. So uh, we at any point will have fifteen to eighteen different companies that are building <coughs> technology-based solutions to serve consumers of the law, whether again it's the big businesses, law firms, or regular consumers like you and I. Um, so I, I could come back to that because uh, there's so much to unpack there. Yeah. Um, the second aspect that we focus on is helping organizations, public, private, and governments mm-hmm. um, to fulfill their innovation agendas. So we've done a number of work with um, uh, some of the law firms here. Uh, we've worked with the Ontario Ministry um, uh, on a few successful startup challenges mm-hmm. to help startups push that, that drive. Um, I just went to Ukraine a couple months ago and we worked with uh, Legal Aid in Ukraine and four other countries there uh, to help them go through a, a design sprint and understand how they could bring uh, innovation as a mindset into the way that they're operating. Mm.
2: Um,
0: so that's been our second stream, just kind of really pushing that, that agenda of innovation. Um, and, and then thirdly, we really focused on how do we really build that 21st century justice system? So um you know it's kind of where we play in the sandbox and bring different people together start talking about some of the the, the ways that the the legal system currently isn't speaking to the consumer um and, and hopefully drive new approaches to it so one thing that we've actually pushed out recently is a uh, information portal it's called familylawportal.com uh, but if you know anyone that's gone through the separation process you know uh not only does it take a huge toll mentally and you know everything else, uh, the legal cost of that is insane, right? Uh, many people uh, are actually not even pursuing uh, or, or hiring a lawyer to help them go through one of the most complex, arduous process of your life. Um, so we built out a portal that helps people kind of understand where they are and make a more informed decision as they push forward. Uh, so that's like the three the three pillars So, that so we, you guys,
1: so you guys build this as a legal invasion zone,
0: like yeah, yeah. Order? so so four or so years ago, okay, um, you know, as one of our our focus when we started out was having this conversation. Uh, and we over a series of different events, uh, we brought together different stakeholders. Um, and we really tried to unpack like what's working, what's not working, what's the current process, and what's the art of the possible, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we built out a report on that, and then uh, recently we got some funding um, to to actually build out the the, the information portal okay. based on our findings. Amazing. Yeah.
1: Like, uh, could we bring it up, or is there something that? Yeah. Uh, so that's if you
0: go to familylawportal.com. Yeah. Um, Dale, it's,
1: could we bring it up? Family Law Familylawportal.
0: I should have told Dale before, right? Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So if you go to familylawportal.com, yeah. Sorry, this is a page for legal invasion zone. This is our our main page. Yeah. 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 Was... Family law portal. There you go. First one. Yeah. So, um, you know, we really try to bring together the user experience into this um what we are, it's it's a series of questionnaire right you go through this and basically what it tells you is uh when it comes to children where are you right now uh when it comes to your finance financials what are things that you know you need to uh bring on the table and what mm-hmm. should you, you consider right um so again this is not you know we're not uh substituting the lawyer all this is meant to do is you have zero idea what you're doing here you're a regular consumer. You never in your life expected to get divorced,
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> right? So how can you at least collect some of the information and be at a better mindset so that you can move forward with this process? Definitely. Yeah.
1: Cool. So legal just to get the right, so legal innovation zone builds this portal out. Yeah. Right to share this kind of knowledge. Yeah. I mean, could have a knowledge share kind of opportunity. Yeah. But how does that feed feed into yourself as an incubate?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, coming back to it, um, one of the best ways to to drive innovation uh, that we think is uh, empowering others. Yeah. So as an incubator, that is our goal uh, is to empower other tech startups, other entrepreneurs like Sean Bernstein um, that, you know, they just looked at it and they're like, you know what? There's got to be a better way. There's got to be something new and different. And they took that plunge, you know? It's it's always that plunge, right? The entrepreneur's plunge. You're yeah. like, I'm gonna go and do it. I have no idea if I'll be successful or not. I'm gonna go and do it. Um, so when it came to, to legal, there really isn't anything out there to support these entrepreneurs. Mm. Uh, the legal landscape and the industry itself is a, is a pretty different um, uh, cycle uh, for, for entrepreneurs compared yeah. to some of the others, right? Um, so that's where we came in. We, we put in that unique touch of cool. How do you, as a legal tech entrepreneur, navigate this world? Um, still, you still have the same struggles as other entrepreneurs, but there are different layers that that that, that so get added. So, how now. do
1: you qualify a, like a legal tech company? Like, what defines you as a legal tech company? You know, do they have to be a lawyer to be a legal
0: tech founder?
1: Yeah. Like, like, what are the qualifications? Uh, you don't for? have
0: to be a lawyer. Yeah. Uh, you, frankly, what we're looking for is this is a, a validated idea. Mm. Um, is the problem. Uh, a real problem Mm. right and as a solution are you really bringing something unique and different Um, i don't want you to bring me a a a blue car paint it red and call it new and different right Uh, is it really changing the way that that this problem is currently being solved Um, and the other aspect of it is we we care a lot about our community Um, so we are looking for founders that can add to the community that are driven that will push for their, their company, because I could say all I want, but you as an entrepreneur have to pursue it, right? You have to action this out. So can you do it as an entrepreneur? Um, and will you also give back to the community? Because that's like one of the most uh, crucial part about, about our incubator. Um, if you have an amazing idea, but you're a terrible entrepreneur, like you're a bad, you're a bad seed, uh, I don't want you spreading that in my in my community, right? Um, so, so that's those are some of the qualifying factors. Um, we take companies at sli- slightly earlier stage, so they go from uh, product development, uh, early product development, up to market uh, uh, market readiness. Um, but in fact, so
1: they graduate when they launch their, their product.
0: Yeah. So, so uh, we we guide them through that entire process because every company is at a different stage. Uh, we do more of a bespoke. Um, service with them right Um, so whether you're at a stage your 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 sales and marketing that's like your core focus we will work with them differently versus someone that's you know six months earlier and and you're developing out your product well there's a different way that we will work with you at that stage right Mm -hmm. Uh, but the goal is to get them out there into the market or you know you've gone through this and you either need to pivot or you need to stop yeah yeah, yeah. because not every idea will make it out Right. So I'd rather work with you and accelerate that process and really give you the feedback that you need to to make those decisions.
1: Absolutely. So what about your particular role? Like what's your role in this process? What What do you do?
0: Uh, it's interesting, I can never really <laughs> uh, kind of jumping. wear a bunch of different hats. Yeah, um, so, it's almost like a startup amongst itself. Right? Absolutely, yeah. I, I always say it, I used to joke, like, we're a startup for startups. Yeah. <laughs> um, so initially started out uh, as you know doing a lot of the operational stuff, so got the zone started on that. Um, and then uh, really started working with the startups and that's where I found my love. <laughs> uh, being able to work with these different founders and help them navigate this process uh, and really do the the troubleshoot, the problem solving. Um, it, it it just brings me joy. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Um, so a lot of my work is also focused on building up programs for our companies, connecting them with the community, our, our mentors, uh, and really supporting one on one the founders. Cool. Yeah. So
1: what do you feel about your personal journey? Like, I mean, did you ever find yourself like? thinking like how do I end up here like you know like <laughs> every day yeah because <laughs> the way you seem like you know you, you as a student you came across this cool opportunity to be part of an incubator and you just got pulled into that kind of world right like did you know what this whole kind of incubation process before like incubators in general um startups like what was your knowledge base beforehand
0: zero idea yeah. um i was i like to consider myself a student of like the business world yeah. um, so I've always been really into business. Um, as I was saying, like I was entrepreneurial. Uh, just never really called myself an entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. So it's figuring out different ways to make money and and you know get through it. Um, when I got when I started working at the DMZ, that's when like you know it just changed, right? right? I looked at the world around me. I was like, this is insane. You have eighty different companies in the space, like all entrepreneurs. Everyone's like-minded. They're trying to do something new and different, and they're taking these risks um how are you doing this yeah <laughs> right and the more i got into it the deeper i got into it the more i fell in love with it okay yeah
1: okay i mean can you share that a little bit more like uh, what do you love about it like what do you what are you gonna do you know you know what meeting new people meeting these founders these companies yeah like working on these projects like
0: i i what i love is um the connection that you can make with another person that's trying to do something absolutely crazy right like I say absolutely crazy it's it's more common now right but like think about it you're gonna give up your life and savings and steady income to pursue a startup
3: yeah
0: that sounds insane to all of our parents and I think we both come from immigrant parents like can yeah. you when you first went and told your parents that you're gonna be an entrepreneur what was their response
1: They're like what do you what do you mean what are you doing this is not why we came to this country for yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lawyer doctor engineer of
0: course. what What happened right yeah, yeah. Um, so that's the thing, Which right? one did they want you to be? All three. All three? They're <laughs> <laughs> so like, pick one or yeah. like? Depending who you're talking to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but they were also very supportive of yeah. me, right? Um, and, and I'm sure they were of you. Um, but that's what I love about it. Like I could, I could be that, that sounding board to someone. I could be that, that sense of support to someone mm. uh, and help them, you know, whatever it is. Like if today your problem is, I need to deal with a team member uh, and get them up to to speed with what, what we're doing or like I need to raise funding and I have two weeks of runway left, right? Um, just working with that individual and helping them navigate this process mm-hmm. keeps me on edge and, and I would never give anything up for that.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, like now that you've seen how like innovation works and all this stuff, like would you start your own startup? Like yeah, any industry? Like you have any thoughts about that?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's some ideas that that I'm brewing up. Um, something that I've started doing is uh, uh, consulting. Um, so I was trained in design thinking. So uh, I work a lot on building out different kind of programming and workshops around that. Um, I do a lot of it for free, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Just my buddy calls me up, hey, this is what I'm working on. I, I get my post-its and and whiteboard ready, and I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. We're gonna spend the next three hours working on this so uh, I've started working on that um, the other thing that I'm exploring right now is how do you how do you empower individuals um, to actually solve these complex problems but do it in a more structured manner okay so um, you know how can you as an entrepreneur with zero knowledge get access to all this different knowledge right and how can you Really get the right level of guidance at different stages of your of mm. your your journey. Yeah. Um, so this is something that I'm just playing with in my head right now. I'm like, if you look at my my whiteboard, uh, it will look crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think eventually that's that's the the area that I, I'm I'm leaning towards, like figuring out how can you build a platform that everyone can see, um, and, and be able to use to help them. And it's it's like empowerment at its core.
1: Yeah. So what does empowerment look like to you? Like, what does that, what does that mean? Like abilities and access to opportunity? Um, like,
2: okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it depends, right? Um, if you look at minority individuals, empowerment looks very different to someone that maybe has access to a lot more just because of uh, where they went to school or how they grew up and whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, empowerment is this individual can they look within themselves and say, yes, I can do this, and these are the tools that I have Mm -hmm. to do this, or this is how I obtain these tools, right? So empowerment to me starts really from the core of the person, and can you help them first take off that, that, yes, I can do this, right? The second stage of of empowerment is, do you have the resources available to you, right? Um, So that is very crucial, because Mm -hmm. even though this person may be very driven, and want to pursue it, um, if they don't have the right level of resources, if it's not a, playing, uh, a level playing field for them, it becomes a very different journey, right? Yeah, yeah. So that second stage of empowerment to me is, can you make a level, level playing field for everyone, have the right level of resources available so that they could pursue it? Amazing.
1: Amazing, man. Like, one of the things like, I really appreciate like, of where you are at right now is because, I mean, you, you grew up in Scarborough, I grew up in Scarborough. Most of us did as well. Yeah. We're right now filming out of Scarborough, yeah. right? Like one of the things that really galvanized me is the fact that how underserved as a community Scarborough was for the yeah. longest time. Now it's kind of catching up, yeah. and it's it's that kind of negative uh, kind of stereotype still kind of pervades the area, yeah. right? Like one of the reasons we love Huddle Share Space where we're at right now filming. Um, by the way, this is our new film spot. We just moved out. It's an industry. awesome
0: spot. Check it out. Thank you, Derek. <laughs>
1: right? Um, is the fact that it's in Scarborough? Yeah. Right. I mean, the area is gentrifying. There's more resourcing coming up. But growing up, like you're from Scarborough, you grew up here for a yeah. while, right? Is that there wasn't much resourcing available, and resource in the sense that you know it's not just you know uh, access to, uh, access to things or programs and things like that, but you never got to see like role models or people who are doing cool things. Yeah. And like you know, everyone you seem to meet were like other immigrants who were trying to figure things out. Yeah. But, you know, you go on TV and you talk about, you know, even like doctors, lawyers or, yeah. like, you know, like investment professionals and all this stuff, like they seem like the other, right? This hidden other that like somehow machine, they get to that kind of um, where they're at now. Mm-hmm. Like one of the biggest things I had growing up was like, you know, navigating, understanding what university would look like. Yeah. Because nobody talked about it. Yeah. Right. It wasn't yeah. unless your older cousin or someone you knew went to university. Or someone you grew up with you went to university and you could get that feedback from them directly right they kind of understood what the experience was yeah but now with technology really you know you can go on instagram linkedin whatever start following people that you know whose stories inspire you yeah like how can i do what you're doing how can i learn from this right learning is so becomes so libertized right? yeah. like, and um like one of the things i really enjoy is like how much information is out there so freely available
3: mm-hmm.
1: right like now almost all my like my dead time like when i'm driving or just like Doing something on the side, like I'm always listening to podcasts. I'm listening to like uh, YouTube because the wealth of information is that's out mm-hmm. there, right? But one of the things, like, I, I, like I feel that this generation is so blessed with growing up with that. Like, have you ever seen those like YouTube clips where like maybe like a two-year-old talking to Alexa? Yeah. And I'd go up and like just randomly like they be playing and like look up and like Alexa, why is the go- why is the, uh, the sky blue? Yeah. Just have a random curiosity. Yeah. And I'll get an actual answer. Yeah. Whereas for the most of human history, a kid like that will mostly be, told, be told like, you know, like <laughs> shut up, yeah. leave, leave me alone, yeah. right? mom, dad's busy, whatever, right? Um, but you get that kind of information backflow, back mm-hmm. right? One of the things I'm really interested in is how that's changing us as a culture, mm. right? Now that information has become more and more available. Um, and we see this now with a lot of universities, right? Mm-hmm. Universities' entire business model used to be these garden walls, right? Like walled gardens. Where it's like oh look we create all this research we create all this wealth we have, we have we're we're an institution of knowledge
3: mm-hmm.
1: here's the wall pay us to get in you get in we give this paper that gives that validates everything that we have built the entire um brand of the knowledge leader gets transferred to you mm-hmm. right that's what a degree was meant to be right yeah you're like it's a pay-for-play kind of interaction <laughs> yeah but now like, it used to be, like, you know, if you can't afford it, you're not going to get it. Or if you, you were not smart enough to get the scholarship, you won't get it. But now universities are putting up their entire lecture series on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, Virginia Law School, like, I, I was blown away by this, has most of their law program on YouTube. And, um, like, so, like, now the university is actually talking about this. But in, in the institution, right? Now that, like, you can't, because it's not, you can't put up these walled gardens anymore, for no mm-hmm. paywalls. Right. What does that look like mm-hmm. for the knowledge share, right? But I'm also interested in what's the, how that's changing culture in general mm-hmm. when knowledge becomes so so open and free, right? Like you, anyone can learn anything and move into different kind of paths very easily, right? What does that do for people, right? Like uh, I mean, especially if you're a hustler growing up, mm-hmm. right? And you're like, okay, I want to do this, or yeah. I, I I don't know what's going on, but my situation is so bad, I want to get out. Mm-hmm. Now you have access to that. Yeah. Right. Like one of the cool things, like one of the things I'm so proud of, like my one of my younger cousins. He's 20. When he was in high school, went on YouTube, started asking around, learned pretty much, learned how to cut hair. Started really? own barbershop. Right. Use Instagram, started own own like channel. Right. Started filming his, um, taking uh, taking videos of his uh, cutting hairs of his boys. Right. Mm-hmm. Just his friends, classmates, and then grew a marketing channel, and grew his business out of it. Right. And like how technology has changed that kind of kind of interaction for entrepreneurs, right? yeah. Learning new skills and applying those new skills and generating an audience is much more open, mm-hmm. right? Like what are your thoughts on that?
0: Like, yeah, I mean, I would say right now is probably the best time for any entrepreneur to pursue their goals, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's the knowledge, there are hubs like these incubators, right? Um, you can access like information from anywhere in the world right now uh that that helps you make better decisions right so i mean i it's it's an interesting thing that you bring up right uh i i think it has the potential to help these these individuals that that are you know maybe minorities or or uh underprivileged Mm -hmm. uh to to see look at the world around you and be like i could do more right if i put the right effort (coughs) behind that um, I think there's a balance of the knowledge, but also a support system. That's where community is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, you're often influenced by the community that you're 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 around, and if you surround yourself with entrepreneurs, you're going to constantly be like, "How do I become better? How do I do more?" Yeah. The the conversations that you're going to have is going to be different. Yeah. Right. Um. So knowledge isn't just what you're reading online, it's what you're also applying and what you're building into your 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 approach of life, mm-hmm. right? So I think I think there is a balanced approach to it. Um, what I'm more curious about actually is how do we not just make knowledge more available, but how do we dispel this in a way that really becomes applicable? Applicable.
1: Yeah.
0: It's easy for you to collect and apply, right? And it's easy for you to do this with everyone else around you. So mm-hmm. I think it's it's you know it's like a Venn diagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, it's absolutely it's true. Like I mean, one of the best ways <clears throat> to change yourself is to change who you're around. Yeah. Right. It's, got, it's got almost like a diffusion effect. Yeah. Right. Like what people are thinking about, their thoughts become your thoughts. The way they're acting, the way that what they're doing becomes party. Mm-hmm. And I mean, a lot of people, I mean, have trouble with this, right? Like I mean, part of what's part of growing up is actually letting go of the friend circle you hang out with yeah. and changing that. A lot of people, times it, it changes naturally, yeah. but for a lot of people, like, um, growing up, I mean, it's part of your identity. It's yeah. hard to get out of. right? Yeah. People from Scarborough have this huge problem. <laughs> right? I, I, I saw this too from a lot of people who can't get out of that same kind of collective mind state. Mm-hmm. That they get into when they're younger and they get dragged down by it until they're forced to learn and forced yeah. to adapt. And I think like, the liberalization of this knowledge, it makes it easier for mm-hmm. those who want to. Mm-hmm. Right? From your, now, from your phone, from, your, from your, your bed, you can consume all this information that just makes things uh, frictionless. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure you listen to some podcasts too, like do you yeah. listen to uh, Joe Rogan? Absolutely. Uh, right? One of the things Joe Rogan said like, really got to me, right? He's like, the power that's behind YouTube and all these huge platforms, yeah. like Twitter, Facebook, all of them, right? It's like the, it's like the reinvention, like each of these giant platforms, like, it's like the reinvention of like the Gutenberg printing press, mm-hmm. right? Like what the printing press did for writing, right? YouTube is almost done for the transfer of uh, of like of um, the spoken word, yeah, right. Like now, everything we're speaking about, like talking in full visual acuity, right, yeah. is uploaded. So not just the actual voice, but uh, but like the, like uh, how you're saying it, the body language, all this information is now codified, captured into view format that can be reshared, mm-hmm. right? Just like a book can be reshared, mm-hmm. right? And it can be done now by everybody. Mm-hmm. So it, it's that's changed that like. Uh, our previous guest mohammed right <laughs> who came from Paramount food he talked about that like mm-hmm. 30 years ago there's no way like someone like me or uh, like us could get uh, access to like broadcast equipment like this right right like you have these paywalls you have to get a broadcaster license you to get access to the tv channel mm-hmm. or like a radio channel it's all these barriers to entry right for us like how quickly was it for us to order this stuff of amazon right you, know, you get to get some equipment together And boom, we have you know we start a YouTube channel, Mm -hmm. start a LinkedIn page, right? Like the frictionless environment we live in, the transfer of knowledge has gone down so Mm -hmm. much, and that's changing culture. Yeah, right. That uh, so, I think like that cultural shift
0: I think is we're seeing the emergence of. Right, right. It's interesting to see. So uh, there's an interesting point to that. I I actually had this conversation with uh, my boss and uh, uh, one of my colleagues recently. Um, There's also this balance though, right? Uh, With youtube and social media and stuff um people are there's so much information out there uh people are exposed to a lot right uh but one thing that i'm really interested in is uh mental health Mm. right um there's this balance of like yeah you're seeing people do these cool things and whatnot uh but then internal how are you internalizing it and are you at a good spot to be able to internalize it right because the information that you're gathering at this point it may be really crucial information for you but are you at a, at a spot where you could actually use this to empower yourself and to actually do more mm. right do something uh, with that information right because um, often you know th- when the conversation around social media and mental health comes in you're like you're exposed to so much everyone's living the perfect life right when in reality we know it's not always perfect yep. right? right um, so how do you create that balance how do you build those those checks into place so that you don't feel crappy that you're not out there at this uh this jay-z concert yeah yeah, right uh or you're not out there meeting the the toronto maple leaves yeah yeah right um i don't know what what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah i mean uh, it's it's funny like uh, like this is not a concern for me as much anymore because now i I utilize like moment you become like a like a producer of content yeah i think Interaction with social media changes. Yeah, and now I talk to everybody. I'm like, yo, create content consciously, right? Not just upload your day-to-day life and like you know, document yourself, but actually do it with a purpose, right? Because it changes the interaction. Because before I, you know, we started creating content and, and like you know you're looking into your channel as like almost like an opportunity seeker, mm-hmm. opportunity, right? Um, like, yeah, I was consumed by this. You now, what, what am I doing versus what my friends doing? Yeah. What am i doing versus like you know this is doing you start comparing people within your career people you grew up with people when you graduate in class yeah. right like you know like you, you look at that and i think that's a great problem uh, to, to to focus on i think the solution is to turn people into consciously utilizing the technology right right so instead of i don't think the i don't think the solution is disconnecting mm-hmm. people look at it as like oh we need to disconnect right we need to you know utilize the real world well what's the real world Right? Like if you look at how technology and humanity is, ch- is interacting, mm-hmm. right? Like technology is what makes us human.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: If it wasn't for fi- like when f- fire got in- invented, it changed us. Mm-hmm. We lost the ability to eat un, un- uh, like uncooked meat, mm-hmm. right? It made us more nutrient rich, and right? our diet more nutrient rich. It changed us, mm-hmm. right? Where, like if you look at those old pictures from the, the, the 60s, people in the subway. Right, right. And all reading the newspaper. they were all reading the newspaper. Right, right. Yeah. ignoring each other, yeah. and you look at it, it's like the technology just brings out what's, what's human in us, our right. nature, and just it becomes it changes us. Yeah. So technology actually changes us. So it's not that we're human and technology is uh, taking us somewhere else. It it works in parallel. Right. Right. So our culture becomes ingrained to it. Yeah. So I think like the major thing is that we're changing what what it is to mean be human is changing. Right and one of my main f- worries is like the connected class mm-hmm. right if you have access to a smartphone if you're part of the 1.6 billion i think more than that now yeah. it's close to 2 billion people that are now connected to mobile devices yeah. to each other through through platforms and to the internet right you're almost like a different species yeah. than someone who's not because you have access to a, such a such a knowledge like a, like a, sorry a pool of knowledge yeah. and access to uh, information and people that you're different, mm-hmm. right, than someone who's not, mm-hmm. right? Like whether it—it it really is a privilege, right? Yeah, it is, <laughs> it is, <laughs> yeah, right. So I think I'm really interested in the idea of this, like, of like access to the internet, yeah, being a human rights concern, yeah, right. It being a necessity because, like, what happens uh, next,
2: yeah. right? Like
1: we're already talking about that, like how technologies can be utilized to, like, in a dystopian future, create make the privilege class even greater. Uh-huh. And you increase the disparity gap between the like, you know, haves and have-nots, uh-huh. um, how it can be utilized against the humanity in general, right? And again, Joe Rogan talks a lot about this. We're seeing the potential emergence of two different classes of humans. Uh-huh. The one where technology works for, and one technology works against. Yeah. So it's like almost like an idea of like imperialism, a new type of imperialism, right. technology is, 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 is coming apparent. And I think like the main thing about the future, especially the future of work and all this, is getting people to become utilizers of technology
0: mm-hmm.
1: rather than being used by technology. Right. Um, and the way I like we, that. you know, and the way we do that is to get people to engage technology with a purpose. Right. Right. And one of the things I really like, uh, I talk about it now every episode, almost every episode now. As the founder of has talked about this, and it's it's really pushed me in, into that kind of mindset. Yeah. Is that technology is making us more independent. It's almost like a reverse as a culture. Mm-hmm. Whereas 19th century, 20th century, we were we we're all chasing to join these big companies, get a government job, like join people the machine and it'll feed us. Yeah. We have, this, we have the income coming in, it's stable, you stay there for like 30, 40 years, right? You move up progressively over time. Right. And it gives you insurance and all these different things. Yeah. All these benefits come out of it. Right. But now technology is making us more independent. Mm-hmm. It's like you have your own farm. You're in charge of you know hunting you for yourself and your family, gathering for your family family, right? Producing for your family unit. You're becoming more independent. Mm-hmm. Technology is like reconnecting us to make us more independent. So even now when you're pursuing a, a career, you know, you become like a contract worker, more mm-hmm. likely than being an employee. Work on a per contract basis yeah. amongst themselves. Even government empl- uh, government workers, they work mm-hmm. on a contract basis within multiple government agencies. You know they transfer month to month within the, within the larger ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Right. So that stability has gone, and it has made us more independent. Right. So in such a world, like what I want, what i what I, what I like is institutions and and platforms and marketplaces opening up mm-hmm. that fosters this kind of environment where technology is enabling you to hunt better yeah right for for resources yeah right so uh, instead of you being like a a a tool being utilized technology is driving you hey buy it buy this car Mm -hmm. buy this product buy this thing like it's making you into this into the consumer slave it makes you a producer Mm
3: -hmm.
1: right like a pro consumer you both consume and you produce you're you're using this technology as a way to get your story out there to get your influence out there to build smart build you like your uh, build an audience for yourself, mm-hmm. or to you know sell a product or service, or build a product or service, or get the knowledge you need, right? You're utilizing this thing as a, for a purpose. Mm-hmm. So I think the next level of education, like how education needs to change, is a way for from changing people from like a consumerist culture,
3: mm-hmm.
1: right, where like you're being trained to be a part of machine, part of a, part of a machine, to be like oh, how can you be independent, right? Right. I think we need to change our institutions to be like. Focus on people independent units mm-hmm. that we benefit from individuals pursuing creative habits. You know, finding out what makes them unique and focusing on that. If we have multitude of people doing that. Like that's worth more for us as a society. Yeah. Right.
0: So I mean, I love it. So some key words that you said. You know, like being consciously aware. Right. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to education, I like I have lots of thoughts on it, and, yeah. and not everyone may agree with it. Uh, I, I I do agree with you. I, th- I think education has to change, right? Um, there's more to experiential learning that we still haven't uncovered, mm. and we've started talking about it, right? Many schools have started doing it. Ryerson, uh, giving credit to them, like they really haven't have built that into their 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 uh, core spirit, right? Mm. Um, but. Every student they, they process things differently every student you know they, they go through life with, with different um, mindsets right um, I was never the, the best student yeah. um, I knew I wasn't dumb <laughs> yeah um, but you know I was just like yeah but like I'm more curious about this yeah right why don't you tell me about this but in the the natural standardized way of education as it is right now you know, when you start asking these questions you're like oh this kid's a troublemaker yeah yeah right calm oh, down you know like do i re- do i really have to deal with this for a whole semester right yeah. uh, but like teachers teachers do do have a very hard job i, I think um, they are they, they they are very crucial to to the generation that that's getting built right uh, and there's some awesome teachers out there. There's some awesome institutions out there. But I also think the way we think about education should be different. You know? I think there's a bit of innovation that needs to come to education. Um, how do you help every single individual in their own personalized manner? Mm. Right? Uh, obviously funding cuts don't help with, with this stuff uh, and cutting resources around this doesn't help. But when you start talking about this, when you start thinking about every person is, is their own individual. They have their own curiosity. Um, if I am teaching someone, that's actually exactly what I do. When I when I teach them, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what this person is curious about, and how can I help them get to to that that way of learning? Yeah. I'm not going to give you the answer, but how can I help you find the path to that answer, right? Uh, and when you bring in this like whole entrepreneurial spirit, I think like education and entrepreneurship go hand in hand, because part of as an entrepreneur, what you're trying to do is what's the, the, the known knowns, what's, what's the known unknowns, like how do I figure this out, right? Who do I go and talk to, how do I do this, right? Mm. So again, that empowerment, I think uh, as educators, as teachers, as as whoever you are trying to help someone go to education, um, how can you empower that individual? And I think I agree with you, I think institutions need to change the, the way that we look at it, yeah. or the way that we approach it. Absolutely,
1: and one of the main <laughs> things is like like the, the process of change, right? Like. We think uh, like our institutions are not as nimble or agile as anywhere we needed to be mm-hmm. at this point. And part of the reason is because, like like how much um, like uh, industry is uh, the actual um, the private industries have influenced our public infrastructure, right? So like the modern schools were modernized right by like uh, the the manufacturing industry, right right? When cars were becoming mass produced, so mass production was the the third industrial wave, yeah. and during the third industrial wave, when mass production and all these factory work became like possible, mm-hmm. and like Henry Ford and like funded by um, Wall Street, yeah, right, the the money between Wall Street and, and the and the manufacturing companies together went into education mm-hmm. to change the schools from the old school British way of teaching to a more modernized way of of, of being a, like a separating tool, right, right. Your grade define you know, where you end up end up in, in the job force, mm-hmm. right? The people who are getting the A's and the B's become like the ma- middle managers mm-hmm. and people who are underneath that become the workers. Yeah. right? Blue collar versus white collar. And amongst yeah. them, a select few uh, who will end up going to university will become like the top tier executives. Mm-hmm. Right? This big, like, the education became like the filtering mm-hmm. of the white people. That's, became, that's when it became like institutionalized, like everyone has to go to school. Right, the highest my, my amount of uh, population in in schools came to be, mm-hmm. right? Became more widespread and nationalized. So just like that, I think we're right now at the fourth industrial revolution. Yeah. Right. The starting of the computer age, like the yeah. actual full-out digital age, right? Where AI and machine learning, all these things are popping off. And with this change of progress, what I'm interested in seeing is what are the key industry leaders who are going to come together to affect this change? Mm-hmm. Right. Who's going to realize that? You know what? putting some resources aside to change how education is done, how our public infrastructure is done. Just like it was done the last way, the last time around, and the time before that, right? Who are the leaders who are gonna come forward and what their game plan would be? Mm -hmm. And it changes infrastructure, right? Because it all feeds into each other. If we don't have the the work face of the future, where our is gonna suffer,
0: Mm -hmm. right? And you know, like when you talk about that change, right? um, It really starts with one simple thing. Often when we're talking about innovation, people associate it with technology, right? Frankly, innovation is is mindset. You're you're looking at this problem in a different way and you're trying to work around it, right? Mm. You're like, I'm going to do this different and see how it works out. So when it it comes to change, it is that mindset, right? How do we democratize the way that people look at change and change their mindset, Mm. right? And you can do that now because of technology. So technology is a tool that allows you to, to spread the information. Yeah. But these leaders, I'm I'm very curious in figuring out like how do these leaders perceive change? Um, and the other interesting question is are they doing this from a moral compass? Like do they have a moral compass built into it? Or are they trying to lead change that you know leads to their self-interest? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think there's a balance, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, I wonder how many leaders are actually driving, driving that forward. Um, when you have these conversations on a grassroots level, um, it always makes sense, right? But when you try to implement it on a much bigger scale, yeah. like how do you scale this? Yeah. How do you scale this?
1: I mean, absolutely, that's the issue, right? Like who's going to be the galvanizing force behind this, yeah. right? Is it going to be key people within government? Most likely not. Like the government is not necessarily meant for like widespread change. Right, you need a driving force behind it. <coughs> Whether it be like a few industry leaders, a few comp- corporations, or like a widespread movement. I mean, right now, I mean, I think the educational the, the whole industry now and in educational technologies. Right. Right. I think like it's like three hundred or four hundred million dollars, but it's growing. Yeah. Because the need for it is changing. Yeah. So I like I feel like education technology, just like legal technology is, is gonna become like its own industry, is becoming mm-hmm. its own industry, is growing and growing at its base. And it's and just like it's make a you know change by a thousand cuts. Right. All these small companies coming in, SaaS tools coming in, right, um, uh, coming in and just enabling different features and functionalities that change education how it is. Yeah. And change it. There's another com- There's a company that um, we're gonna have on the podcast called Knowledge Hook. Mm-hmm. Again, a Toronto-based, Scarborough-based actually company. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, the way they do it is uh, the, the founder Travis Ratnam. He had a huge trouble with math when he was growing up, mm-hmm. and even though he Overcame his obstacles, he always stayed with them. So now he's created a platform, um, and uh, where Knowledge Hook you now they actually were already in like uh, York Region schools. It's a platform to better engage in math mm-hmm. right? using technology, using an application. They can learn back and forth and get feedback. And I mean, they're they're pretty well they're a pretty a big company now. They're right. shooting the pulling that success road right, and they're hyper focused on that problem set. Then mm-hmm. that's comes like Top Hat companies like you know like do the coursework and things like that right like. All these small, small SaaS tools are coming up to be that are kind of solving this problem. Mm-hmm. So, whether it be like you know, a money, like a giant company or a series of giant companies funneling this, or it be these small, small companies coming up, either way, I think this change is happening. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But um, I think one of the things I'm worried about is like the last generation. What's going to happen to the people who are, who are growing up into an area of technology,
0: but are not being you know, tooled for that? Right. right? Uh, well, I mean, you see it right now. It's it's very much uh, a big issue, uh, uh, top of everyone's mind. You know, like how will machine learning, how will artificial intelligence change the way we look at things? Um, I see this with in the legal industry quite a bit, right? People are scared, yeah, right. Um, but when you really think about it, every every generation has gone through this, right? There are new things being being, being put out. And people are scared. They're like, "Yeah, it's gonna. I'm gonna lose my job." Yeah. And some jobs will be lost, but you know, it's the way you look at it, right? Like, do I do I see that as an opportunity, or do I see that as, "Oh my God, I'm gonna do everything to mm. like stop this," even though you can't, yeah. right? The change will happen. That's the tide of of the world, right? Um. So you know, when it comes to lawyers, I'm I'm often talking about, well, how do you take the lead? Yeah. There's so much left on the table. There's so much opportunity here. How do you take the lead and, and take this opportunity and run with it, yeah. right? Change the way you're looking at things, right? Simple. Um, if artificial ma- machine learning um, uh, is coming, artificial intelligence and machine learning is coming around, how do you kind of become an expert on it? How do you start using some of the tools that are out there so that, you know, you're and one yourself. Yeah, you're, you're being a better lawyer because you're more effective, you're more efficient. Uh, but also you're bettering yourself. You're you're changing what you bring to the table when it comes to working with your clients, right? Um, and think about it, 10 years down the road, this will be the norm. Your clients will be asking for you to, to use tools so that you could be better, right? Uh, there's, yeah, there's just so much opportunity. Like there's two ways of looking at it, right? There's so much opportunity that's really out there um, when it comes to change, when it comes to technology, when it comes to innovation. Um, if you just change the way you look at things you could you could become one of these leaders yeah. there's one point that you brought up that I kind of disagree with in terms of governments mm-hmm. I think when it comes to change um, it's not just one group that leads it it's, it's I combined. see change as an entire community mm-hmm. right you bring all the key players in so that it's a holistic approach to change yeah so I actually think governments also have the opportunity mm-hmm. to change the way that they're they're approaching things change the way that, uh, they look at problems mm-hmm. and bring together that community, right? Cool. Different different uh, leaders on, on every spot. Absolutely. And I, I should rephrase that. I mean,
1: absolutely, the Canadian government, Ontario government, right, right and even municipalities are yeah. doing a lot. Oh, absolutely. Are doing a lot. Yeah. Like, you know, we're opening up new centers, putting a lot of resourcing towards this. Yeah. And that's not what I, what, I, what I meant at all. Like, the government is definitely doing a prolonged effort. Yeah. But I think you're right. The government's role is going to be holistically part of this community. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's next going to be leading it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't think the knowledge base is there yet.
0: Yeah, different expertise, right? Like when you build out a startup, you may have sales expertise, your co-founder may have tech expertise. So again, it's that holistic approach. Push it, you know, you use that kind of startup mythology uh, and and use that to to help you push it forward. Absolutely.
1: I mean, any initiatives right now, like you you would point out being like helpful, like what does any kind of initiatives going on uh, government-wise kind of funding support? Because I would imagine like, with legal tech, mm-hmm. especially, right? Like one of the things that really got to me, like what machine learning and like um, what the disruption is going to have for the workforce. Yeah. One of the identifiers was the legal industry mm-hmm. because it was such a by-the-book, like so much, so much to be digitized kind of industry, yeah. right? So I think, like I think, like about four or five years ago, I started hearing about this, where it was like ninety uh, percent of a uh, first-year lawyer, second-year lawyer's job was articling. Right, going and finding references to a particular case that can be referenced to the actual case being submitted, right? whether it be in, 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 in corporate law or like criminal law, or whatever it is, the most of the job was done in research. Mm-hmm. Well, when one of the, some of the first AI algorithms came up, machine learning algorithms came up, I think it was like the Microsoft platform, well, this system could wipe away most of that job. It could be almost a fully automated away because it, it could do that kind of research work almost on automated
3: fashion. Mm-hmm.
1: So it kind of, uh, the lawyers were pointed at, at, at like the, the first field, really a giant field mm-hmm. to be potentially automated away. But what ended up happening over the past five years were like these giant firms that kind of, again, put up these paywalls, like we are a big firm, pay us X amount of money to get these end results. And what happened is because the technology allowed for um, greater access for smaller teams to function mm-hmm. at a larger scale, being able, being able to get this research done, articling, and all this kind of, and uh, keeping their minute books and all those kind of things, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of these large companies, the middle mid-tier lawyers or mid-tier professionals, uh, and not just accounting in, in, uh, in the legal t- t- uh, field by accounting and all this stuff, right? Would leave yeah. and create their own in- uh, mini firm, mm-hmm. right? And either be a competitor or be part of the older firm, doing mm-hmm. work that the old firm won't do or won't touch, but utilizing the credibility and utilizing the the knowledge gained from the working within the organization, mm-hmm. they would go out and create the firm. So we see this, the, the, like not the downfall, but the almost slow collapse of these large companies and the growth of these smaller boutique firms mm. that kind of work in conjunction with each other, right? But also, a lot of, a lot of like, you know, pretty, like, mm-hmm. n- relatively new professionals, mm-hmm. only with three, four years, five years worth of work experience, mm-hmm. are starting their own firms. Right. right. I mean, there are so many 25-year-olds, 27-year-olds in the city, who have only had like four to five years of professional experience in their professional industry, mm-hmm. they'll go out and start their own company because mm-hmm. they know they can, because mm-hmm. the cost of entry is so low. And they're, they're frustrated with the level of growth they can get in these larger firms. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what? I have this experience. I have this name recognition now. I have some client to access. I start my own thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like technology being the great equalizer again, right? The ability to launch and, uh, and run your own company has become yeah. easier. And one of the things being hit the hardest are these professional companies where traditionally these these large paywalls. Right. right.
0: So, I mean, the parallel to that is when you look at the, the accounting firms, mm. um, Deloitte's and KPMG's of the world, right? Yeah. They saw this a while back and they're like, okay, we need to change the way that we're, we're, we're evolving. Yeah. And they're, they're still one of the top companies and they're growing even more right so they added all these different tiers onto what they could do right many of these uh, top consulting firms they're, they're actually build, building out their own you know legal teams yeah. to service to create that whole full service right yeah. um, I think here's the way to put it I, I think the way we interact with professional services uh, or just anything in the world is changing so its it's gone from the age of the provider where they had the monopoly and they could dictate the way you interact with them to the age of the consumer where i can pick up my phone and go on amazon and get a phone delivered to me the next day yeah right versus before like this just what it was i had to go into the shop and and pick up the the product that i wanted and, and bring it back mm. right so when you think about the consumer and this is why we're so consumer driven with, with the legal innovation zone um, how do you help the legal industry Uh, look at it that way and how do you help them actually bridge that gap
2: Mm. right
0: how do you help all their clients find uh, value beyond just being the best law firm out there because most of these law firms are are very competent and you know that's the the, that should be the base right i'm hiring you not just because you're competent (laughs) i'm hiring you because you're adding x y and z as value on top Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the, that's some of the work that we've been doing in terms of the way we work with other uh, organizations, but also with our technology startups. Right? They are figuring out how do I use technology as a tool to help some of these other corporates, clients, law firms um, become better, faster, cheaper, more accessible, whatever that unique ad that is. Right? Yeah. yeah. And we've only scratched the surface. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like. I would compare the legal industry to what the financial industry was maybe a decade ago. Yep. Um, they've completely changed the game. Mm. Right? You could go on an app and have all of your banking information and do deal with all your banking information through the comfort of your home with, with your mobile phone, right? Um, what is that future in, in law, right? How can we how can we bridge that gap? And one one of my favorite companies mm-hmm. in law, uh, in, in legal tech, founded uh, so they built out a platform where, if you're a small business, uh, you can go and incorporate and deal with all of your your legal contracts, all of that stuff online. What what company is it? Founded, founded, f o u n d e d. Okay. Yeah. Um, they they're a Liz alumni. Yeah. Um, I absolutely love this concept because when I incorporated my company, I was like, "Oh crap! There's a lot of forms here," <laughs> right? Um, and yeah, you could go and do it yourself, or mm-hmm. you could pay a thousand dollars and hire a lawyer to do it. Yeah. Um, in some instances, you should hire a lawyer for the more complex stuff like shareholder agreements and all that stuff. Uh, but like a simple small business, um, your your option is either you go you you meet your legal compliance, um, or you're like this is this is very expensive. I'm just gonna deal with it later when I have to deal with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So founded found a way to democratize that for many of these startups and small businesses, Amazing. right? Age of the consumer is here, and I think we all have a part to play in it, and I really think some of the top firms, some of the top leaders should be looking at that as an opportunity. Absolutely. I mean, that's a perfect way to end this
1: segment, man. Um, that wraps up exactly what like my thoughts are as well, right? Like, uh, I hope to see this, see more of this kind of stuff. but. Um, Man, it's been an hour, <laughs> right? Has it? But it has been. So we been were, just yeah, were just getting started. Yeah, uh, we are just getting started. One of the things I'm th- thinking about experimenting with is like longer form of content. Right. Like Joe Rogan, two, three hours. Right. But uh, this has been great, right? Sorry to wrap it up now, but uh, hope to have you on more um, in the future to talk more about what's going on in Legal Innovation Zone. And if you have any other side hustles or anything else you want to shout out, 100%, please uh, think of us as a platform. Yeah. And uh, any company that uh, you would love to forward us on. You, you think it's pretty cool. We'd love to hear from them, right? Um, part of what we do is we would work with multiple incubators, accelerators mm-hmm. to kind of showcase uh, new kind of uh, cohorts they have and yeah. um, you know what's new coming new in the industry. Um, so we'd love to have some kind of int- like work like some kind of uh, back and forth like that with uh, Liz. Absolutely. And um, yeah, thank you, man. It's been great. Yeah, thank right? you so much. I love this. Awesome. Yeah. thanks.